0: Sportsnet ID the fan.
1: The Blue Jays are back. Everybody, relax, eh? Holy.
0: Oh, yeah, they're back.
1: Everything's good. All you needed was Mr. Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. And it's a beautiful Wednesday to wrap this series up. You can take a win. Never in doubt.
0: Sometimes just handing the ball to the Grapefruit League MVP is
1: That's the all solution you gotta do. for
0: everything. You and sh- a couple pinch hitters and some random guys <laughs> driving in runs.
1: The recipe to winning games is different for every outing. And yesterday's was believe in Yusei Kikuchi. Trust the process. And look at us now. There is a pep in my step. Is there? There is a smile in my voice, and you can hear someone smile. Oh, I got it today. I can today.
0: hear you. I can both see and hear your smile right now. We're back, but I feel like there's something else that's making you smile, not just Say Kikuchi and Ernie Clement, <laughs> a little Santi.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got. I had. I had a perfect evening. I got perfect.
0: I had. You've been building it up. You I never got, got, got to blue.
1: Perfect. J- G- Whoa, Blue Jays win, parlayed with one nice. of the best concerts I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: Now, how many times have you said that, though? Because you're a no. big concert goer. Well, sometimes, Are you saying this no. all the time? No. I take legit. that I take
1: that very seriously. You take it very seriously? Yes. I was privileged to see the icon, my queen, Stevie Nicks, last night at Scotiabank Arena. Mm. And I must just say, I was telling Justin about this off the air <clears throat>
0: This caused some serious debate. Yeah,
1: well, I was honestly thinking about just maybe not coming on the radio after this. Hello, yeah, I saw Stevie Nicks last night. Blah blah blah, and then you like Googled her, and you didn't know that Stevie Nicks was the lead singer of Fleetwood Mac. Not a clue. I honestly am. St- I can't really look you
0: in the eye. I mean, I, I don't know why that's all that surprising. Again, they were they were at their height in the seventies and eighties. I was doing zero listening to music in either the seventies or eighties. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why I'd be expected to know this.
1: They might be one of the most.
0: I'm not a fan world of world renowned offerings. bands
1: and most famous. The world
0: most world they, renowned bands. They Fleet are Wood-Mac. extremely famous. World extremely. most most world renowned.
1: Yeah, I would put them up in that. They you are t- so you too or...
0: okay. Screw you two. I know. Screw you two. But you two or Fleetwood Mac? Honestly,
1: I think I you're going to get teared apart for this take. Like as bad as the horses take you had that one time.
0: What's the take though? That
1: you didn't that know that not... Fleetwood Mac and that's Stevie Nicks were the that's, same, that's, and, that's, and that they're not a, not a famous band. That's where we're I, at.
0: They were. They were. And then people. They are. People, you know, got into them again because of a TikTok with a guy drinking no, cranberry juice didn't. on a skateboard. Yeah, everyone got into it again. But you I didn't even know that. that
1: that was Stevie Nicks singing that song. Yeah, because Dreams. Stevie Nicks
0: had detached herself from that situation, and people like Stevie Nicks for Stevie Nicks.
1: Anyway, I would just love to make you a playlist for your drives to and from work where it isn't Kesha and it's the Black Eyed no, Peas. We're no, we're not doing that. And I would like to just introduce you to the incredible talents that were around before you were born, because that's mm. I, I have a love and appreciation for music. From the 70s and 80s and 60s. And maybe it's because my dad and I share that. And right. I've got all of his old vinyls and we, we care about music together. And okay. that's okay. Right. You and Cece were ripping podcasts and listening to... Yeah,
0: yeah, that's exactly what it was.
1: And that's fine. We're just different. Let me help you, Justin, because I can't... I don't, I don't stomach know. coming into this room knowing that you no, no, just no, haven't I, I, opened your w- eyes to the world.
0: I'm too old to become like a music buff. You don't need to do the I little an, air quotes. No, I have an organic understanding of music. And sometimes there's things that slip through the cracks, including Stevie Nicks being the front <laughs> woman, front man, front woman of Fleetwood Mac. I also figured out that Fleetwood Mac. What? Well, well, I didn't know why their name is Fleetwood Mac. But the drummer... His name was Fleetwood. How did the drummer get his name on the band if Stevie Nicks was the most famous person in the band?
1: It doesn't matter. It
0: does. Answer me that, music buff.
1: I, I, I'm not... I'm, i don't, you don't need have to go it. I don't need to go through the historical... Stories of Fleetwood Mac and how they came to be. They had multiple love triangles, and Stevie Nicks came in Wait, later. What? Yeah, oh yeah, just look it up. Like it's such an iconic no, d- story. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling looking it up. this just on the tell radio. Me what happened with the love they triangles? They all don't worry about it. They all
0: had a thing with Stevie.
1: No, they all had a thing with each other. It's just it,
0: no, no, no. You was, gotta tell it now. I can't tell it. What do you mean you can't tell it? It's not like.
1: 6 a.m. radio talk. I
0: mean, I'm not asking we'll for gory a, details.
1: No, the, no. Anyway, so I,
0: everybody I, in the band had a relationship with each other at some point. Yeah. And it's just it Stevie. was the 70s
1: and the 80s. Wow. I Play know. And Mac. Yes, buddy. Anyway, people. You need to go into the text line right now because
0: there's one person. Oh, no, there's, oh. There's,
1: there's <laughs> I'm so glad that I have this backing of friends in the text well, line. They're of all waking you're up. In the
0: backing. It's not like people who don't care about Stevie Nicks are going to come to my there might be one right now. There might be one. Well, thank you to that person.
1: Anyway, iconic, wonderful, beautiful evening. I just wanted to, I, that's why I'm very happy this morning. It just, mm-hmm. she is 75 years old and rocked the hell out of that stage. She's so talented.
0: 75 she, and like selling out. Where was it? Scotiabank? Scotiabank. Pretty and crazy.
1: I, one side note too, I had tickets in the 300s and I weaseled my way. Onto the floor, twenty w- rows behind center stage for Stevie Nicks. Wow! I've never done that before. I weasled like straight up weasel central. Got myself down there, and I would never. I, I couldn't have pictured it better.
0: So you had like nosebleeds, and you were down on the floor. That's right, for Stevie Justin. Nicks? That's Slash how much Fleetwood I cared. Mac?
1: That's how much I cared.
0: Did she play a Fleetwood Mac song? Yes,
1: yeah, she, she played a lot of Fleetwood Mac songs. Okay.
0: Oh my god! Now, how was the experience down there? Did you feel guilty at all? No.
1: It was amazing, 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 amazing. Whose seats were you in? Don't worry about it. It was the floor. Oh, and at one point, I texted you this. This is is sports adjacent. I'm like maybe 90% sure that one row ahead of me was Brad Trey Living and his two daughters and a friend. I took a photo of the back of his head. I showed you. We're kind of mixed reviews. I I don't
0: think it is. I don't think it is Brad Trey Living.
1: But I I got a video of him. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I, <laughs> that sounds creepy but I, I as I said I mean you were taking videos of Stevie yeah, Nicks and Brad did, just happened to be I did kind of there.
1: look at it at, they'd kind of zoom in on him too nonetheless I'm pretty like 90% sure it was him but at the same time it could just be some guy that looked like him but two, he's got daughters they are all there in really nice seats on the floor mm-hmm.
0: Was it like a member of Leafs PR? No, there was nobody away? like
1: bodyguarding him. But I don't know. I don't know. I just thought I, I, it okay, could be. I saw,
0: it, I saw the photo. It's I, pretty I, close, isn't it? I, I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I, I'm not really one to talk here. I'm I could put really it up on my Instagram story. To. People could vote. I feel like that man had too much hair. I know. Could be lighting. Listen, new job. Maybe he's like, hey, maybe new look for Bradshaw Living. But I feel like the guy that you were taking photos of at the Stevie Nicks show. Had too much hair to be brad for a living.
1: Whatever. I don't even care. I was like living in this glorious, I would have hugged him. I don't care. I would have went up and shook his hand and said, come on the fan morning show. It could have been some guy
0: named Should have. Rob. We need you.
1: Anyway, and people are asking, she was amazed. She was, be- I saw her before. I've seen her previously. I've seen Fleetwood Mac previously. And she did not even, not even a percentage off of how so good Fleet she was. So why didn't Fleetwood show
0: up? Oh my
1: God. We don't need to get into it. They lost the band member and they're not touring anymore.
0: And it okay, was very emotional.
1: Fair. And that's at the fair. end of the concert, everybody was crying.
0: Why? Because, because of, of it, the tribute. A tribute. Yeah.
1: And I was crying when I went home I'd and be I re-watched the video. I did not crying because I wouldn't understand yeah, you, what was happening. I, honestly, I feel like I'm wasting my Listen, life Listen, I got some support here in the text lines. We so one person. We'll read them. Later. We're
0: not all that cultured. Like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I want to help you. I want to help you. Uh. Ignorance can be bliss.
1: Okay, so I cried to Stevie Nicks and I cried to the Blue Jays getting back in the wind Did you do tears of joy after that. I one? just the night was just stellar evening. Uh Kikuch with one of his best pitching performances of the season mm-hmm. um in what could have like this could have have been a bigger game. I don't like saying must win, but it really felt like going into last night, the Blue Jays needed some piece of positive momentum. And we talked about this, like step forward. We need a step forward. What is that? And we said maybe it's Vladdy home run, maybe it's just Kikuchi doing what he needed to do. And that was last night, a very steady game. Obviously, one of his best stat lines as well. Uh, pitched what six scoreless innings, um, shutout innings of baseball, uh, blanking the Marlins two nothing. You know, we can get into the offense later, but if you needed something from Kikuchi, it was that. It was a very, very confident dynamite performance on the mound. And then behind him, the trickle effect of getting a, the bullpen in, in a good spot moving forward. They have a 12 o'clock game today, of course, against uh, the the Marlins to wrap it up with Kevin Gosman on the mound. But they basically had three straight bullpen games in a row. And so we could not, it would have been untenable to have Kikuchi mm-hmm. go out there and pitch three to four innings and he he did exactly what he needed to do to put this team in a position to win and they scored two runs and they found a way to win.
0: Yeah, Kikuchi was brilliant. I mean seeing the minimum plus one against the Marlins through six innings is really, really impressive. Uh the fact that he stayed in to tackle a rise for the third mm-hmm. time uh to you know to close out his outing was really, really impressive. I mean there was a runner, it was a zero-zero game, yeah. runner on the best uh, hitter in the league, at least in terms of average, up on the plate, and he just went after him. And they had little mound visit. I'm like, oh, they're just going to, like, you know, pitch around here. And he went right after him. I don't know if he left uh, a bad pitch out on the plate. and did hit it, but hit it right to one of the fielders, uh, and they were able to get out of the inning. And I will Cuc- say about John Schneider in that one.
1: Clean. Like, if we came on this morning and that didn't work out, like, John Schneider's got a lot of heat about him right now.
0: Yeah, but that, that's that's part of the like the the issue of the discussion around Schneider because they clearly strategized, mm-hmm. right? There was a discussion about how you're going to deal with the rise, and then he kind of just threw a bad pitch. So if if Kikuchi throwing a bad pitch that gets punished there is Schneider's fault, then what are we actually doing? Well, here? that's it because time they did time. have a plan yeah. and. It's it comes down to execution. That's the whole thing. Is like as much as you want to blame Schneider, and it's crazy to me, frankly, how much Schneider hate there is out there. It comes down to execution. If that that pitch easily could have been punished and it didn't, but to your point, like yeah, we've been talking about Schneider for keeping him in, but we got to talk about the pitch because clearly they didn't want to throw that pitch.
1: But I I also think it's showing trust in Kikuchi, and I think that's important right now. I thought
0: they were going to throw uh, show more trust in him. I thought he was going out there, but seven. But
1: in that moment, like you have the hottest hitter in baseball who as a 400, is batting 400, right? Like, it would have been so easy to say, okay, hey, let's walk this guy, let's let's do something else. But to put the confidence in your pitcher at that moment, I think speaks really highly about what John Schneider has confidence in, and that must be the starting pitcher, that must be the starting pitching right now. And Or, he,
0: or it might not be the bullpen.
1: Or it might not be the bullpen. But either way, I think Kikuchi probably thought in, like, I think it was last game, right? We saw him kind of storm into the bullpen, and he was really... I pissed off that he got a shorter mm-hmm. outing maybe that's him like him and john schneider say put the trust in me let put me in this moment because you need somebody to rally around you need somebody to bring confidence and positivity to that team and he found a way out of it and the blue jays win in a shutout game after being shut out and after having a brutal six nothing lead trounced so i think it's it's a it's a really good indicator of maybe there's more confidence with kikuchi and with john schneider and obviously, in hindsight, if that didn't work out, we'd be saying, well, John, John Snyder, like, or Kikuchi didn't do it in a high leverage position, but he did.
0: And the the same thing would would have been true if Jimmy Garcia went out there in the seventh and immediately gave up the lead and you had the opportunity to go back to Kikuchi. Mm -hmm. That's why this like second guessing is like difficult, right? It's like Mm -hmm. if when things are going bad, you can pinpoint every decision and be like, oh, you should have done that. When in reality, these things are pre-planned. These things are based on pitch counts or how many times you go through the order or what have you, or just who's available from a bullpen perspective. I mean, like, it, it does come down to execution. And thankfully, in a spot where he needed to execute, Kikuchi was great. And he really is confounding, though, because this guy always racks up strikeouts and he always looks like he has good stuff. Or, like, pretty much exclusively this year, he's looked like he's had mm. the stuff, but he makes, he does make mistakes. He leaves pitches in bad spots and they get hit. And it's usually feast or famine when you're out there against Yusei Kikuchi. And thankfully, against the Marlins, like, he was missing. Far more bats than he was uh, than he was finding, and maybe he was limiting those mistakes to a point that he hadn't at least in the previous starts where it's been of a, a bit of a struggle for him. I yeah, I mentioned. It. I thought he was going out there for the seventh because I just thought, mm-hmm. okay, you do have some of your leverage guys available because you haven't taxed them in this little losing skid that you've been in. You had Romano, you had Swanson, but I was worried about the seventh inning. Who are you going to the seventh inning? And, uh, you know, Garcia's definitely fallen out of favor just a little bit. And he grinded through. Swanson grinded through, too. Romano was getting absolutely tagged in that ninth inning. Like, it was scary season in all three of the final innings of that game because no one was as dominant as Kikuchi was for the Blue Jays in the starting position.
1: And Kikuchi's had a shorter leash, I think, lifted after five innings um, or sorry, yeah, or less in 11 of his last 14 starts. And then in seven of those, he didn't even get to 90 pitches. So they've been very structured with, you say, Kikuchi. Um, but I think you you nailed it with, hey, Garcia was up next. My confidence in Kikuchi is much higher than Garcia. So maybe that's more of a not a slight, but maybe more of a, a show of confidence in your starting pitcher versus Garcia in that moment. Maybe that's more just like where your bullpen's at. But mm-hmm. you, you, you say they all came in, they delivered, they did their job to secure the win, thanks to Varsho playing some good D, and like the structure for yesterday's game, have great starting pitching, have timely defense, that was it. Like timely defense with Varsho in that to help Romano out. You hit just enough, just enough to win 2 nothing, just mm-hmm. enough, and we can get into hitting. But you limited mistakes. There's been a lot of mistakes on this Blue Jays team. Base running, errors, fielding, terrible plate approach. Yeah, some of that still. But it just felt more tidy. It felt like let's just focus on this one game instead of the fact that we're on a losing streak, that we just got blown out, that we just lost the game before that, that we've lost three series in a row. Like, I think a lot of that can really compound on you as a player. And it felt like yesterday they went in with, like, a dialed-in focus on just playing one game of baseball in as clean as a format as they could. And that's what happened last night. They get the win, and then you have the guy. You got your your ace on the mound today. So you can really turn this around if you put yourself in the same mindset of, let's just, like, Put the horse blinders on, right? Like, look at one game at a time. We talk about the whole season. We talk about, oh, their fan yesterday put out this tweet, or and I, Ben Ennis put it out, and I stole it from his Twitter feed. Before the game, the Jays had less than a 50% chance of making the playoffs. It was 49%, but that's less than 50 Yeah, I probably bumped up a little bit foot the win, but less than 50% chance to win or to make it to the playoffs all of a sudden is a shocking thing to see. But it's one game at a time. Everyone that we've had on that tries to bring us votes of confidence, and we got John Morosi on today. We had Caleb Joseph on yesterday. They've got the positive spin that sometimes you do need to realize... I
0: think you have the positive. But bent. you
1: do need to realize it is a long season. And I'm not coming on here saying that... I obviously was being a little bit sarcastic saying that things have changed. But mm-hmm. it's one game sample size, and that's kind of sometimes what you have to look at.
0: Yeah, you're definitely more positive than I am. I mean, I think the fact of the matter is you had a great pitching performance. Uh, your bullpen hung on, but albeit barely. And mm-hmm. your offense remains uh, remarkably anemic. Yeah, let's, I mean, get, let's the, talk the, about that. The fact that only one player from your starting nine. Uh, Only one uh, only one at bat was used from the starting nine uh, productively. And that was George Springer's second hit to drive in the second run because the offense could not do anything without a pinch hit kickstart from Santiago Espinal and Ernie Clement. Like it had nothing. It had nothing going. It had no answer for Perez uh, to start the game. Uh, They got to one reliever. They had Mm -hmm. one opportunity and I guess they took it uh, to drive in the runs that they needed to win the game. But it took a pair of pinch hitters to get the offense going mm-hmm. in a lineup that, you know, features a lot of money yep. and a lot of struggling superstars who are not getting the job done right now. Like to say that that game fixed what ailed them from an offensive perspective would be wildly optimistic no, because I, that's I'm just not saying it's that at just, all. Not, I'm not saying you said, it, but I'm just saying that's not the case. Like they still have plenty of issues from an offensive perspective. And if you expect to win games to nothing over and over and over again, and have you say Kikuchi have performances like that every fifth day and mm-hmm. for other pitchers in the starting rotation to match that i mean you are crossing your fingers and toes and anything else you can cross like it is not good enough still from an offensive no. perspective they still haven't got going and i don't know why you would think hey Vladdy's going to be feel better about his pr- pr- approach this afternoon after what he double. did he did get a double stretched out. Good for him stretching out that double. Uh, but I, I don't think individually these guys are going to feel all that much better about their performance, given that it took two guys who started the game on the bench to actually get the hits necessary to win the ball game.
1: Okay. So obviously the offense is going to be it they totally can get six runs in a game. We're going to feel the same way about this team since they got 20 runs versus the Rays. Remember that? Yeah. They have the fourth lowest ranked Offense in the majors. And you want to know who the other three are? Kansas City, St. Louis, and Oakland. You don't want to be in the conversation with those four teams. What happened to St. Louis? I don't know. They suck, apparently. But that, 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 like, there's, they, yeah, it's not pretty. They can't, you cannot count on winning games with two runs scored anymore. You, you can, you can be put in the best position by your starting pitcher. Your bullpen can be great. But you cannot win games 2 nothing or have that as as something you d- go back to the well for. Obviously, this is going to be the biggest point of, of what's next, I think. I felt pretty confident about their starting pitching for most of this. Yeah, Bass and Burrios have had a bit of a blip in the last f- five days. But, I, I mean, every time we come on here... We talk about Kevin Gosman. It's mostly, mostly extremely positive. Same with how Barrios had been. He'd been pitching the best in his career. Chris Bassett had his amazing baby game, and then he had mm. two less stellar games. So
0: you're putting the blinders on again. I mean, the fact of the matter is they got a four-man rotation right now because they don't have enough starting pitching. Yes, the people know, that have but been those there three have, have been done a good pretty damn job.
1: good. Yeah, and Kukuchi's like, your fifth starter. What else do you want from him? They've had
0: to be more than that to cover off for the fact that they don't have Alec Manoa anymore. I understand that. And that they...
1: They have a bullpen they game. They don't have... That you can't... You get, like, it sucks. Nobody wants to have a four-man no, rotation. No, they don't
0: have someone who can step in and do the job for him.
1: But I would say my level of confidence in the starting pitching is much higher than it is in the offense. So I'm saying if they can just bring it up a little bit, get five <laughs> runs in one game, and start building some confidence...
0: Then they might have a better than 50% then chance they to might Playoffs. That's it.
1: So, um, I do want to play <laughs> this clip. So, yeah, you say Kikuchi, like, he's your fifth start. He was a great Fruit League MVP and he did what he needed to do to put the team in a position to win. Here's John Schneider post game. I just thought you can tell when you hear this clip, there was a ton of relief in John Schneider's voice.
0: He threw this shit out of the ball, really. <laughs> I mean, he threw the shit out of it. Fastball, slider, change up, uh, curveball. I mean, best he's been. He was. It looked like he was on a mission you know that's a tough lineup you know eight out of nine righties and um a guy hitting 400 at the top so it's um probably his best outing to date i think no walk six punch outs efficient um allowed us to line the bullpen up correctly he was outstanding tonight
1: there you go and there's a little relief of optimism and maybe you're also saying this knowing that people are listening right you need to change the tone around this team whether you're kind of forcing that narrative or not and yeah I'm excited this morning for many other reasons but I I I'm trying to bring a little bit more optimism for a very long season and we just got to live in the moment but John Schneider in that post game talking about you say talking about the team he had to come in with a little bit more energy and optimism because it's tense around that bullpen it's tense around that clubhouse we every time we look at a game when they're losing, it's sorrow, it's frustration. So, yeah, hype it up a little bit. You want a game and you say did his job.
0: Yeah, and even a guy like Ernie Clements seems to, like, pick up on that. Like, when he came into the dugout after scoring the second run on the Springer mm. RBI hit, he's, like, almost over the top with his let's go. Did you see that? I know yep. you were concert going, yeah, but, like, yeah it's like he's trying. It's the guy that the very bottom of the totem pole mm-hmm. is trying to get a reaction out of everyone else because it seems like everyone else is in their feelings just a little bit. So I, I think it is important. I think like... You got to force the vibe
1: sometimes. It, the vibe,
0: it's kind of hanging by a thread, right? The yeah. vibe's kind of hanging by a thread and you need to recapture some of that. And I think when there is something to celebrate... And let's not talk about a home run jacket. If there is something (laughs) to celebrate, you got to celebrate it because you're right. It's a long season and at least some positivity can affect the next day. And uh, I think that's important. And it seems like you got to like squeeze it out of some guys because even if things go okay, even if things are going reasonably well, like, hey, you didn't strike out for the fourth time tonight. It's still getting that inch of positivity seems to be a struggle right now.
1: Sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it, Justin. There you go. That's my career. Here I am.
0: Oh, come on. on. I
1: hope I'm kidding. But yeah, sometimes you just gotta go in there and and I said this yesterday. Find something to build on. What are you coming into today's game in? Hey, one a good pitching performance. Let's build on that. You got Gosman. Let's work on getting more than two runs today because it's another great pitching matchup today. You've got Gosman and Alcantara, right, on the mound. And these two are it's dynamite. Like, it's you, you, it might be a game where you got to win by one or two runs. But wouldn't it be nice to get out there early on the scoreboard and, you know, have a little bit of a cushion? And maybe Gosman can get a couple extra innings in there. They also have an off day tomorrow, which is just very nice timing. Everybody can come home and reset and play. Those Oakland Athletics that are
0: Now, do you get, pesky. like, so early game today, do you get the opportunity to maybe, you know, have a couple drinks in Miami after with an off day? No. No?
1: I think you got to earn that. Uh Let's see. If you win today, I think that maybe that's what they I need. I think you
0: got a little flush all the bad, you know.
1: I think that's totally possible. If you win today, you feel a little bit high vibes, yeah, maybe you... That'd be nice. Check out South Beach and, you know, just enjoy yourself for five minutes, but... You also might want to get home. You've been on the road for like nine games. I can't believe in a row. how
0: quick you dismiss that. You know, as a former collegiate athlete, mixing in a little that, fun is an important. thing. I do thing. know
1: that the, sometimes the plans and the planes are already st- like scheduled. Like maybe they want to get home and see their families and their newborns. <laughs> that every maybe. single player on the team has a maybe baby not. right now. Maybe they want to. Maybe they want to head home.
0: The plane goes home when it goes home, honey. <laughs>
1: there you go. You get a, what is it with uh, Matthew Kuchuk? Like. Points get it right off the bus and 10. ten. So maybe they're bus and ten tonight. Bus and
0: ten hours. <laughs>
1: That's it. Uh, we got some. Le- we got a legend. We got a legend on the show today. We, we cannot bury the lead here. We got
0: legends on the show. W-
1: yes, we have multiple legends on the show. Stevie Nicks could not join us this morning, but we've got Mark Stone, Stanley Cup champ, joining us at seven thirty. Uh, boy, we got a chance to talk to him yesterday because obviously he time zones, and uh, I think he's he's feeling. He's feeling the hangover a bit still, but he was awesome. Was so great to get the insight, <laughs> yeah. like hilarious there's to talk a, to him. There's
0: a possibility that he wasn't feeling 100% in our conversation. And it's
1: great. And you'll hear that at 730. And then Joe Carter. Mm. Joe Carter joins us at 830. We've got a great show. We got John Morosi, of course, our boy at 8. And then Seth Greenberg's going to help us set up what is the eve of the NBA draft. It's like Christmas for these guys. Christmas Eve tonight. Um He'll join us at 7. Uh so Yeah, that's make- an
0: outstanding show. Uh I have to, it's particularly uh interesting for me the Joe Carter thing cuz I'll be at Joe Carter the Joe Carter Classic mm-hmm. next week with Gunner. You're of course in Nashville. Uh that'll be my first time. Have you ever been to the Joe Carter golf tournament, Charity Classic?
1: Uh were we there last year. No, that was the no, Jay's Care one. Care. No, I I that's Monday, right? I thought
0: you might have done that or, uh beforehand. Maybe no, it's Wednesday.
1: Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, I'll be in Nashville. Yes. No, but um Oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited to hear about it and tee it up. You'll
0: but. be seriously jealous if I uh, talk to Jose Cruz Jr. Won't yeah, you?
1: he's the best. That was awesome. We will be going to the Jays Care Golf Tournament this year. I think it's sometime in July.
0: I think it's late August. Late August? Could be wrong.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And it's in Milton this year. We got. I remember that because Fabro said it would to be in Milton at 5 a.m. I said, hmm. It'll be a tough one. It'll be a quick turn around. Anyway, so yeah, that'll be next week. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll have Joe Carter later on the show. Okay, so we got Raptors stuff to go through too. Raptors news. This one uh, may be surprising to some. Gary Trent Jr. opts into, into his $18.5 million player option for next season. So he's deciding to forego free agency which means he's most likely going to stay with the Toronto Raptors. There are ways around that in terms of maybe they Mm -hmm. trade him, but, you know, I feel pretty confident that you do that, knowing that maybe you'd like to stay here. Um, And Michael Grange, our our Sportsnet writer, of course, reported that they are interested in working on an extension with the Raptors. Um, He could be eligible to sign a four-year deal up to $113 million in July. So those are things to come. But nonetheless, seems like he's going to be staying with the Raptors. to me, there's a couple of reasons why this makes a lot of sense. And maybe we didn't spend a lot of time thinking about Gary Trent Jr.'s future with the organization. But you've got a new coach now.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think there's a lot of disappointment in terms of maybe where Gary Trent Jr. thought his season was going and where it ended up. He was moved to the bench twice.
0: Wasn't exactly Nick Nurse's favorite. He
1: wasn't Nick Nurse's favorite. And I think you got a new guy coming in who seems to be all about development, relationships. Gary Trent Jr. is really young.
0: Like, you don't really think that he's, he's... just 24
1: years old. You don't think he's young because he's been around the block and he's played a lot of NBA basketball, but he's young. And I still think there's a lot of growth we could see from Gary Schoen Jr., but also a fresh slate. Like, you might have an opportunity to have a different role on this team. And also, you got one year before you can go into free agency. Maybe it's a bad-on-yourself type situation. And at this point, I didn't think that there was a lot of excitement around gary trent like we hadn't really heard much about people that are offering a lot for him so maybe just him and his agency were like give it another year play for the raptors he loves toronto loves toronto he loves his outfits his dad loves being here loves the outfits
0: His dad loves being on the will lose show
1: he does so maybe they'll get them in there but i just think that you try a year out you hit free agency i i see the value in his decision in a personal reason why he'd want to stay here
0: Yeah, it's always a little, there's a bit of an uneasy feeling every time a player picks up a player option because it's like, you know, when you have that opportunity, generally, if you're a plus asset, someone's going to pay you more than that, uh, than the player option would allow, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's especially when you're 24 years old, you're a young guy, you should be hitting the sort of career earnings Uh, thresholds at that point where you can get into position to make a ton of money because you've proven yourself and you have the option to hit the market rather than just take what is available to you throughout the the machinations of a previous contract. That's kind of how it works, especially in the NBA when there is more and more and more and more and more money. It seems Mm -hmm. like every single day. So it's a little odd where it's like, you know, the people who take player options are usually the ones that don't have a better option. And for this reason, maybe you could feel a little uneasy about it. But you're right. I mean, he's he's a young guy. He's only 24. He had his development stunted a little bit, you'd think, if you, if I mean, maybe you're that's a bit of a self serving narrative, but Nick Nurse didn't love him like maybe the next coach will. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can actually go through that Darko development yeah. and get himself to a position where he's far more valuable. So I do think this is a mutual beneficial scenario where, yeah, Gary Trent Jr. can up his value, not just take whatever money's available now because more will be available to him in the future. Now, nothing is promised, so he, this could be a gross miscalculation on his part, <laughs> but. It's likely that he's going to have another chance to sign a big deal because he's a good basketball player, a talented guy, and a guy who should only get better in his career. And the
1: Raptors need shooting.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I do. It, like, I would feel a lot worse if I was the Raptors if I was the one who gave him all the money right now because yeah. I'm not convinced myself. But if we're just talking about a one year commitment and eighteen million dollars. And clearly, he's going in. He's a he plays a position that you don't have a surplus in already. I don't really see a downside from the Raptors' standpoint, other than hey, maybe he's using you as a platform to go somewhere else for more money later on. But again, I don't think that should be a huge issue. I think it is better for Gary, despite him maybe leaving money on the table, than it is potentially for the Raptors. But yeah, I think this is this makes all the sense in the world when normally. Player options don't make that much sense for either side.
1: seems mutually beneficial. Yeah. It's a good start to many off-season things that the Raptors have to deal with. So you got one in the book. That helps you structure where the rest of the money's going. So with Trent locked in for next season, you've got Yaka Pirtle and you've got Fred Van Vliet. A bit more, not important, but... Yeah, okay. Maybe a little bit more important to figure these out now. Um, They have about $41.5 million left to sign Fred and Pertle without dipping into luxury tax, which we kind of know that they don't want to do. So, but then there's some information about Jakob Pertle that comes out yesterday, too, that he, quote, well, we know he's set to become a free agent on July 1st, but prefers not to be in a rebuilding situation next year which comes up at an interesting time when we don't know what the Raptors are about to do, but it seems like eyeball emoji towards, I don't know if I want to be here. I might be interested in going elsewhere as a free agent, and maybe you won't be able to afford me if I do stay here, right? It's, it's a, That is surprising to me. I didn't think that Yakuperto would be exercising his options to look elsewhere. I just I kind of thought that he loved it here, and we'd just yeah. be happily married, but now it's a bit... You might lose Jakubertel.
0: Yeah, I guess the follow up question is, what is what is his definition of a rebuilding situation? Is a well, rebuilding? Why so would just,
1: you say that if it's not?
0: Well, it could be. Hey, towards if, your own if you are going to trade Pascal Siakam mm. tomorrow night, then I don't want to be here. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that could be I, it. Kind of makes sense. Or the rebuilding situation could be, hey, this team's not good enough. And I'd rather go play for a team like the Boston Celtics, who have a chance of actually winning an NBA championship next year. I mean, who wouldn't? That is fair. And I think, I mean, you're right. If this, if they didn't like check off all the boxes on Pirtle in terms of his intentions and what he wants Mm -hmm. and what he's looking for for the second half of his career before they acquired him, we're talking about a massive, massive, massive miscalculation on the part of Asai Ujiri. Losing Yaka Pirtle this this offseason for nothing would go down as one of his worst decisions yeah. in his tenure uh, running the Toronto Raptors. Now, paying him all the money in the world might be just as big of a mistake or a bigger mistake because it could box you into something that you can't get out of down the line, although I'm pretty confident in Yaka Pirtle being someone that you want to be- invest a little bit of money okay, into. Okay, but do you
1: want to invest $20 million? Because Grange yesterday reported that um, well he'll be looking... For around twenty million dollars per season, while Fred is expected to fetch something in the thirty million dollar range, twenty dollars per season for Jakapurdle. Twenty dollars. Twenty bucks. Just twenty bucks.
0: Twenty mil. I know. It's hard because you know the money thing in the NBA. It's just like it kind of just loses its meaning. Like Purtle can get that money probably. I I would be I think he could do I would be it seems way too much but also Gary's making 18 would you rather it be between 15 and 20 I'm sure Mm -hmm. does does that mean he's going to take it or should he take that probably not I think I would be a little bit more reluctant you know you know where I'm standing on this I think they should tear it down I think they should go in the opposite direction if you can get something back in return for Jakob Pertl on a sign and trade. Maybe that's great. Maybe that's what you should do. Maybe you should do that with Fred. I think they should take a step back rather than paying Fred, paying Yak, paying Gary, keeping Siakam, if paying into the luxury tax and, and trying to convince yourself that you're really good. Mm-hmm. However, I think the optics thing in terms of losing Yak a for nothing would kill you. Like it's really, really bad. So he has you. He has all the leverage here. He has you over the barrel. Yakub Pearl has Masai Ujiri over the barrel right now, which is not a good position to be in. When you thought he was going to be the guy who come in and play nice, twenty million seems like far too much. But it depends on what what avenue you're taking. If you really want to compete, if you want optics to look favorably on you, you got to give him the money to stick around. And I just don't know where that leaves you. It leaves you with a maxed out team that, in the end, isn't all that talented. And I just think going in that direction at all is a mistake. So it's hard to really answer the question of, hey, would you do this for this price?
1: So I was listening to the Raptors show yesterday with Alex and Will, and um, they did the math, and so did Blake Murphy, so I don't need to do it myself. There is a way that you can sign Jakob Pirtle and Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., and it is like counting your quarters to try to pay for something at the convenience store when their tap isn't working. That's like what it you got to do. It is, but there is a way that you could logically do this. I Go listen to them. They figured it out. But it's like, it's putting you up against what's going to happen to Pascal next year. You do have some opportunity to sign some of these younger, like it, it, it's, it is so tight that it's not worth it. Like I don't, I don't, I agree. I'm not in that same boat as, I'm in the same boat as you, I mean, but I'm not in the idea that, you should try to make this thing work because you can. If Jakob Pertle wants to go play somewhere else and he's like big leaguing you, then make it work that you can that you can get something from him. Of course, but I just I did not think that Jakob Pertle was going to come over the top and like use this last part of his year as leverage to move elsewhere. Yeah, I just I'm I, I, surprised.
0: I think that's a mistake on all of us though. Like I think we all assume that. It was you know we why? saw a because couple was, commercials with yes, Pascal Siakam it. and we're like, "Oh, he's just going to play nice." I bought like, into he's a the,
1: good player. I bought into the reconnection with Toronto, his best friend Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. They're recycling photos of them from they previous times. They also discarded him yeah
0: before winning a championship yep so maybe there's like maybe there's like hey i'm not like i don't love you guys that much like you betrayed me why would i just play along and he's played for a bad team since he got discarded mm-hmm. by the Toronto Raptors and he did he's well never with had a Raptors. chance to act, like yeah he's played in playoff games for the Raptors but he doesn't have a chance to actually win an nba championship and if a really good team wants him why would he take the loyal, or why would he choose loyalty? Loyalty? Why would he choose the Raptors? I <laughs> didn't even call it loyalty. Why would he choose the Raptors over a team that will give him just as much money and an actual chance to win right away? I, I just, I think we were way over. 100%. It's, it's like, it's like we're, we were convinced he didn't have an opinion himself.
1: Yeah, we were. Like he just now locked in with the long-term marriage with the Raptors because he liked <laughs> Pascal Siaco. Because we
0: chose him. And oh, shows I him.
1: hope that we doesn't age poorly. Um, okay, so the draft is tomorrow night, NBA draft coming up. Uh, we'll chat at 7 o'clock with Seth Greenberg about some potential moves. But uh, Jake Fisher, who's a senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, has said that um, the Portland Trailblazers, who obviously we know have the current number three selection, has been floated to be somewhat available, depending on what happens, um, still says linked maybe towards Pascal Siakam and OG, but there's a prevailing sentiment that they don't really covet either player in a trade for number three. So I know there's a lot of intrigue going into tomorrow. Can the Raptors find a way to get number three? Kind of sounding like they they might not be interested in what the Raptors have to sell.
0: I mean, we talk about the Raptors going in one of two directions, like scorched earth versus like, hey, do your best, plug your nose and try to win basketball games. Portland, Portland has a ridiculous spectrum of options ahead of them. They could trade Lillard mm-hmm. and, you know, have another pick to pair with their third overall pick, or they trade the third overall pick for someone who can help Lillard actually compete like right away. Bam like they and can,
1: Paul George have been circled yeah, as they, names they, that they could, they could
0: add. Not that I would believe that they're a title contender if they make that happen, but you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. expectations, winning or else, or you go the exact opposite route where you're a terrible team for a couple years and you're building around two guys you're going to draft, tomorrow night like it's it's a crazy what do you
1: think it's like for them right now sitting in that room like be
0: fun i know but be fun to be a fan of them right now like it hasn't been that much fun but But you're
1: in that front office and you're like do we draft somebody at three that is pretty damn good or do we just (laughs) do we just go off the walls and trade our number three pick. Like, when's the last time a top three pick was traded? Like, it's going to be exciting tomorrow.
0: And there are names out and they, there. Like, Zion Williamson's wh- name is out there.
1: When you know the names, like, I mean, we're not draft specialists. Well, I watch Siakam yeah. and OG,
0: with yeah. all due respect.
1: Zion. Well, Zion's got a lot of bangs. Going, going on he right does. now. And
0: he, and he, yeah, he's, you know, he's a distressed asset, but it's still a massive name. Oh, like, yeah. That's something that gets more headlines than Pascal Siakam.
1: Anyway, so that's tomorrow. We're excited to see. I don't know if the Raptors will be making that play for number three, but they still have number thirteen, so they'll be picking a Raptors-like player. As will be heard, tomorrow, like we heard. Um, today, also big day in the hockey world is the Hall of Fame induction class will be announced at three p.m. So there are some uh, some names, and not every year when the uh, when the Hockey Hall of Fame induction comes around, are you feeling like super passionate about players. I don't know. Some people have the argument, and I'm sure the text line will be in on this, that just too many people get into the Hall of Fame. Too many people that are just good, that aren't great get in. But uh, this year's class has some pretty good um, names that are contenders. Henrik Lundqvist, obviously, I think that that's a, pretty much a given. Henrik Zetterberg, Caroline Ouellette, Alexander McGillney, Curtis Joseph, David Poyle. Like there are some big names there and then there's a lot of first-year el- first eligible players. Justin Williams, Corey Crawford, uh Jennifer Botterill is a returning candidate she's obviously uh a big a big sports net mm-hmm. love so i'd like for her to get an opportunity but you just go down the list of some returning candidates and first name candidates and there's there is could be a pretty good could be a pretty good class i think you start with Henrik Lundqvist um he's a first year eligible player and people really love him for many reasons
0: yeah, he feels like the only lock, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. you're right. It is a lot of Hall of Very Good uh, yeah. players that are still available, and that's kind of what you get when there's returning candidates who don't get chosen uh, right away. And generally that, like, answers the question for me. If it's not right away, I'm not really convinced that mm. you should be there at all. I mean, there are good arguments for a guy like Alexander McGillney who has better numbers than Paul Correa. What year and is, Paul is it him, went to in to not in. him He's been on the ballot for a long time. Since 09. Yeah. And but like like why would it be time after fourteen years? You for know him to why? Live?
1: It's because the class. Like, if he gets in now at this point, after being available to get into the Hall of Fame since two thousand nine, It's because
0: the class is weaker,
1: and, and he's not dumb to that fact. But also, do you think it tarnishes
0: your feel? <sighs> no, once you're in, you're in. You're in, you're in. But can't be come pregnant. On, like, You're pregnant or pre- you're not pregnant.
1: Yeah, but it's been fifteen years. And you're like, oh, okay, now you want me in there. Yeah,
0: that's why I think the, the process is a bit flawed. Like, I just don't think what would change in the 14 years to get you there other than, oh, people are going you know, we've with. run out of good candidates. It. And it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be, hey, we need this many uh, inductees every year. No, we should just take who is deserving when they are up. If there's 12 that are going in one year because that class is so good, then so be it, right? Like, I just think that that's true. I don't like how they the have reality. the cap.
1: Is, like, it feels like they're and like they cap the, only five. They're kept
0: the women at two. And yeah. usually it's only one that goes yeah. in. I mean, there are deserving candidates from the women's sta- standpoint where it should be, hey, maybe three women this year mm-hmm. in Henrik Lund- Lundqvist. That would make the most sense to me uh, because really I look at Lunquist as the only automatic and in terms of first year eligible, Corey Crawford, Justin Williams, I'm, mm, I just no. don't think they are. And the returning candidates, like I'm sorry, but I'm passing on the Osgoods, Roenicks, Kachucks, Terjons, Flurries. Patrick Eliash is getting a lot of credit. Like he's not. That's all very good to me. He's he's not a Hall of yeah. Famer in my eyes. These are guys who were great players, but you have to hit some sort of standard. Whether you're the best player in the league or one of the best mm-hmm. players in the league for a decent amount of time. You win a major award. You are a serial winner who got all these Stanley Cups because you played at your best in big moments. Like, these guys don't jump off the page to me. And even Henrik Lundqvist, like, he is, but he's not. It's not like he is the, the most slam dunk of right. slam dunk candidates. See, so he's
1: one of Vesna, But
0: he was the best goaltender in the league there for a go. reasonable amount of time.
1: One of Vesna ranks sixth all-time in wins among netminers. And obviously, helped them get to the Stanley Cup final.
0: If he plays and in Nashville, though, is he there? No. No. God, no. He's, he is, but he he's probably like is. handsome
1: but... Hank. He's on, like, a, whatever, Fifth Avenue. He's
0: playing guitar with John McEnroe.
1: And Sweden won a gold medal, and he
0: was part of that. And really, that might be the difference because That's it. I do believe you should win. If not, like you have to be the best. You have to be the best. You got to be Eric Eric Carlson's in. He's the best player in the world for a period Mm -hmm. of time, winning multiple Norris trophies. He may never win a Stanley Cup, but he had that status of the best at his craft for a while. I guess Henrik Lundqvist gets there. He had some long playoff runs. The gold medal, though, probably puts it over the top.
1: When do you think Yager retires and finally gets in there? He just keeps he playing. He did,
0: right? Like, didn't he come up out of retirement to play because they were short players or something? Yeah, he's still that playing.
1: That's why he can't get
0: in. He, he's going to be a senior citizen before he gets in.
1: Yeah, he might. Carolyn a 100%, has been a lock. I was surprised she didn't get the opportunity last year. Um, she's only one of three female players alongside Haley Wickenheiser and Jane Hefford, who mm-hmm. are already in the Hall of Fame to win four or more Olympic gold medals. Um, and she's also won six world championships. She's in her second year of eligibility. She is the lock for the women's side for sure this year. It shouldn't just be like one. But
0: feels like Lundquist and Uletta, are the locks and Botterill and McGillney might be the, the secondary we'll choices. We'll
1: see. I mean, it'd be great to have two women in there, um, I mean, there sh- in the th- same year. It, there
0: should be this year for sure.
1: Okay, um, bring in your thoughts at five Uh We're seeing some Milgilney t- uh, messages in here as well. I know people kind of have different thoughts on that one. Uh, who should be in this year? Who should not be in? Is the Hall of Good? Et cetera. Okay, we'll chat more about that later in the show. We got Seth Greenberg at seven. Mark Stone, future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Eh?
0: Question uh, I mark. Mean, ah. You can't ask me that. I mean, like, <gasps> who knows? He's got to do a little more. Let's there you say go. That. Okay. He's got to do a little that more. That was a
1: question mark. Mark Stone at seven thirty, uh, John Morosey at eight, and Joe Carter to wrap up our show at eight thirty. We're going to do our picks for the Travelers' tourney kicking off tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll try to get back in the Fanex Cup standings here, and we'll take your thoughts and your texts always at five ninety five ninety. We got the A list after the break.
0: Sportsnet five ninety the fan. Now it's time for hey, the A list. To hijack the A list here. We'll the J you, list. We'll get you Let you get to your uh, <laughs> items in a second. But I did some Fleetwood Mac research in the break. Mm. I think I know why my parents didn't let me indulge in Fleetwood Mac. Oh, there's some stuff that went on.
1: Yeah, they were protecting you from. Now I'm intrigued. Oh yeah, see, <laughs> I'll send you a couple docs. You can. Can, yeah, I'll, I'll I, I actually Doc have a couple Fleetwood books. Mac. I can give you some hard copy
0: books. Uh, hard copy books? Yeah, you, you've read multiple hard copy I have books on Fleetwood Mac. Multiple
1: books in my bookshelf about. Fleur.
0: Did you read both?
1: Yeah, I've read them. Okay, I care about Evidently. history of music. Okay, this is a this is a PSA to anyone listening that would like to send me on an incredible fifty mile journey to play eighteen holes and eighteen courses across Scotland in one day.
0: Sorry, say that one more time.
1: Jamie Kennedy, who is a director of content and social media for Golf Digest, just did this thing that might be the biggest dream that I didn't know I had. Okay. He played 18 holes from 18 different courses across Scotland in one day. So he went, do you understand?
0: Number. So 18 times 18 is the amount of holes? No, he played
1: one hole at each course.
0: Oh. Why is that a dream? Is your
1: brain okay today? Why is that a dream? Because he got to go to 18 different courses and play a hole at each one. Yeah. Why would he it, want to do that? Because it's cool. He wanted to see Scotland. It's amazing. He went, <laughs> he, he was a lot of driving, but it was really cool. And it was also to raise money for charity. Imagine
0: going, shanking a shot and being like, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, that,
1: that part sucks, but he's yeah. obviously good. Okay. He began at 5.30 a.m. at um, one side of Scotland, and drove around and played a hole at every one of these 18 courses. Ho- courses. And, you know, Scotland is now, like...
0: Now, did he, like, boot someone off the tee to be like, hey, I gotta... I'm I gotta- sure they
1: had this planned. He's not just some bum that was like, I'm gonna go on the 10th tee and t- move your tee time. Okay. It was a social thing, but... And it was for charity. But he got to see, like, all of Scotland in one day. Yeah, like, the driving part of this is... But it's also, you're driving in Scotland. It's stunning. Anyway, he played all of these courses, and he obviously has a personal connection to why he would do this and the story and the charity. But he finished it up, and at the end of the day, he had driven 47 miles. That's not that bad. He played 18
0: holes at 18 Wait, why courses. why take all day, 47 miles?
1: Well, because it's not quick. He played for 17 hours and 19 minutes, 14 pars, Okay. two bogeys and two birdies. So this guy's a good he's, golfer. He's dialed. Anyway, he went all around the coast. It looks like a wonderful, stunning trip to do. No problem. I'll do it in our hamlets here in Ontario. Mm. If you set up 18 courses, It'd be more I would than play one. Miles. I can figure it out. You just send me to, like, Norfolk County, and I'll rip around and play a couple couple tracks, Seriously and I could do this.
0: If you could play the best course in Scotland, 18 holes, or play... A whole 18 different I don't know. courses I'm in Scotland into, and do the drive? I'd kind of
1: be interested in what he did. I would not. It's all around the coast. It's stunning. You get to check out 18 different golf courses. You get to do something that like nobody does. I think I would prefer this. I think you're nuts. I'm sure then he's staying there long enough They can go pick which one everyone he liked best and go I'm golf sure, it. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. So okay. let's map out 18 courses that are drivable somewhere in southern Ontario, or eastern Ontario, Send me to St. Mary's. How many
0: golf courses can Ailish shut down to get this done? I would do it. Okay.
1: Send Ailish. I'll drive. To the, oh, there you go. You can courier Chris, who's always listening, can courier us, courier us, courier us, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> around, and we'll do this. All right, let's set it up. Okay. Seth Greenberg joins us after the break. ESPN college basketball and NBA draft analyst. This is his. This is his week. Christmas Eve for him today. The NBA draft tomorrow. Obviously, we know there's a lot of intrigue with number two and three. But beyond that, Raptors got 13. What's going on uh, in their preference? Who is the ideal Raptors pick at 13? We've got more to come with Seth Greenberg. And then we talk to Mark Stone, Stanley Cup champ, afterwards.